Hello everyone, John here with End of Effort. So I've been pondering over the years this this idea of doing something versus being something. And I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what that means. You know, in the evangelical world, no matter how you were raised in in spirituality or whatever whatever your religion is, there's always this need, if you will, to feel compelled to do something out of either obligation or what we've been transformed by. So an example would be some of us have been touched deeply by God and we've come to the end of our road at some point in our life and then we realize that we actually do need him and we want him. And then when we we taste and see that he's good, there's something amazing that happens on the inside. Some call it born again. Others call it transformation. Some just say I've been radically touched by God. Whatever the case may be, maybe you were raised in church. Maybe you were raised in a certain religion. Whatever the case may be, if you've had some sort of an encounter, uh, you're either going to join something that's going to make it feel more like an obligation because after all, you have to pay God back and there's a price to pay. There's that thinking. And then there's this concept of, well, wait a minute. Um, I've genuinely been touched and I want to do something for God to show my gratitude. Either one of those has its trouble spots. And and here's why. is because when you think about how love works in your own life towards a parent, towards a child, towards someone that you're totally in love with, when you think about your interaction with them on a daily basis, it's not transactionary, right? I mean, at least I hope it wouldn't be. Meaning that I'm not in this relationship to, for, for a formula or transactions, to try to get something from you. I'm just in this because of love, period. Unconditional love. I love you no matter what. I love my child no matter what, okay? We would hope that would be the case. Now, some of that's skewed because of our woundings from the past and traumas and things that we've dealt with and gone through. And so there's a little bit of skewed vision there, if you will. But I would say a majority of the people love their children or love a grandparent or a parent in an unconditional sense. You're not walking around saying, okay, if you give me a thousand bucks, then I'll do something wonderful for you. Or if you give me that nice car, that house, or if you just give me your time, then I'll do this for you. Strings attached, in other words. You know, I don't think a lot of people set out to intentionally do that unless they're deeply wounded and they're looking for payback, you know? They're looking for retribution. They're looking for reward by giving out something. And, you know, there's some narcissism mixed in there, but a lot of that comes from childhood wounding that's been left unchecked and undealt with. And so we walk through life as believers. Let's just take believers, for example, in Christ, Christ followers. And other religions are even worse at this, but just take the religion of Christianity, okay? Not talking about a real relationship Christianity or Christ follower, talking about the religion of, okay? The institutionalized world of religion, okay? A lot of that is 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 embedded with this reward punishment system, obligation theology, where... The Great Commission is, I feel like I have to do this, otherwise I'm in trouble with God. Or 
I have to go out there and win souls and tell them all about God because I want brownie points. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, but many times we think it internally because we're moved by that that motivation. You know, we're moved and compelled by our mentality and our mindset at the time that says, I have to do this for God because it's what I'm commanded to do. It's what I'm obligated to do. It's what I'm ordered to do. You know, the Great Commission, it's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a command. So we use this terminology, not even realizing that, wait a minute, is God demanding or commanding me to go out and, and compel me to go out and do X, Y, and Z in order to get paid back or in order to be in, in right standing with him? No, we get that from religion. We don't get that from the Bible even. It's our interpretation of the scripture that gives us that through our lens of our paradigm in the moment. Our paradigm is just a viewpoint, okay? If you don't know what that is, it's just a viewpoint. It's, it's what you make your bed and stand in as far as your level of understanding. So it's your maturity level. It's what you, the lens you see through your world view in the moment, depending on where you're at and your growth patterns. So a lot of us walk through this, this life trying to do something for either God or man, because after all, if we don't do something, then uh, we're not contributing to the world somehow. We're not contributing to the kingdom of God. We're not contributing to have our part to play in this. You know, we, we pull out parables in scripture about the, uh, the parable of the talents where the one wicked, lazy servant didn't do anything with his talent. He went and buried it, right? So then we take that to heart and, and we, we misinterpret what's really being said there. Now, there's a difference between, between being uh, evil and dark and flat out lazy and just saying, you know what, I don't care what anybody thinks, including God, and it just doesn't matter. And th- there's a difference between that attitude and that mindset versus someone that's just walking through life, loving on God, loving humanity, and is really growing in maturity, making mistakes, uh, but has a great heart towards this whole walk we call Christianity or walk we call, um, you know, walking in the kingdom of God. And so there's a difference there, okay? So you're looking at the parable of the talents. He's saying, look, I've given you this amount of money, the landowner and the servants. I've given you this amount of money according to your ability. So he gives them the money. He gives them to, to an invest, invest. It wasn't like he was sitting there saying, okay, I'm going to watch these guys. If they screw up, they are screwed. I'm going to make sure they get punished. I mean, that's not the God we serve. That's reward versus punishment theology. That's not the God we serve. That may be the God you have struggled with serving with, right? Or you were taught that is that way, but it's not the true and genuine God of the Holy Scriptures, the God of the kingdom of God, the God that created this whole thing and you and me. Um, you may disagree with that and that's fine, but you'll come to realize as you mature in your walk that that is the case, that he's not sitting there with a hammer saying, okay, you wicked, lazy servant, because you didn't do what I asked you to do. And I gave you all these talents. You didn't go out and do the great commission and win 50 souls a day. Um, you're done. You're going to the abyss. There's no hope for you. No, that's not even the old Testament God. That's an illusionary lie that's come to your mind that someone has planted there or by your own and or by your own woundedness, okay? So 
I just want to clear the air, clear the slate, and say that what that means is, is if you've been given something and you know it to be true, okay, you've been entrusted with this beautiful, wonder, wonderful gift called salvation, okay, wonderful gift called um, born again, you know, wonderful gift called I've been transformed by Christ himself and I know it. So then he begins to interact with you in relationship by the still waters and the green pastures. And then, and then you're discovering, wow, this bliss of this love. I could just stay here forever. And then we get discontented somehow because we think we heard some compulsion inside demanding and commanding us to go do something with our salvation. And can I just tell you that when you're walking by the still waters and you're, you're at rest with the shepherd and you shall have no wants, you have no wants, you have no needs and no desires except for him, okay? When you're in that state of rest, you have no compulsion to go out there and try to, quote, do something for God to prove a point. Go out there and do something for God to try to make a name for yourself. Go out there and do something for God out of obligation. Do something because the scriptures painted a picture to your mind at the time saying that if you don't do this, it's it's do this or else kind of mindset, right? Your pastor may have pounded that into you for a while, but that's not our God. Our God is likened to a relationship where you're madly in love with somebody in the natural, even more so because it's the spirit, but take somebody in the natural that you're head over heels in love with, okay? It may be a child, maybe a spouse, maybe a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, and you are, you are in love. You are just seeing stars and it's all you can think about is that person, okay? Think about what that was like being in love or maybe it's your, your state currently. Do you feel inside that you're compelled to do anything for that individual out of obligation? Is it obligation? Or is it, man, I am just so overwhelmed by how much I'm in love. I want to do everything for this person because it's effortless, it's easy, and it's out of the love of my heart for no other reason. That would be called agape, friends. That would be called agape, unconditional love. And when that's taking place, then you can go out and do a million different things at the prompting of the Lord the prompting, not out of obligation, but the prompting saying, hey, you want to do this together? Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't it be an adventure to go out here and, and say something to this person or that, that I bring your way? Not, not you trying to get another notch in your salvation belt of evangelism, right? Or, or outreach pressure. Trying to win the whole world tomorrow, you know? No, it's, it's a, hey, do, would, you like to, would you like to go have fun today? Um, going out and, and uh, starting that business that I've called you to do. Uh, would you like to have fun today um, getting on the plane and going to Zimbabwe and, and just sitting and listening to the hearts of the broken? Uh, would you like to have fun today sitting next to your spouse and just listening to their heart? Would you like to have fun today going out into the park and having fun with your kids, just throwing the ball back and forth and playing on the slide? And well, Hey, would you like to have fun today uh, going swimming in the creek or the river or the lake or the ocean with your, with your best friend? Hey, would you like to have fun today going out and, and doing some crazy creative thing together? See the difference, friends? The difference is having fun with childlike faith and out of that fun, the joy of the Lord bubbles up 
and splashes out to where people take notice and they go, whoa, why is it that you are having so much fun? What is different about your life? Boom, there you go. Holy Spirit just set something up for you. Not to go and blast them in the face with 15 scriptures and bang them over the head with a 15-pound King James Bible, but to know, to just sit there and listen to the promptings of having adventurous fun with your best friend who dwells in intertwining oneness with you, right? Big difference, guys. So when I hear people talk about, and I used to be this way, so I'm not bashing anyone or I'm not knocking that, um, not looking down upon these individuals, but I used to do this as well. It's the Great Commission. I got to go out there and do the Great Commission. I've got to go out and win souls, win souls, win souls, because they're they're free. They're going to fry in hell. They're gonna they're gonna burn forever if I don't go out there and win them. And then and then what happens is we are in a posture of desperacy. We're in a posture of formality and formula, and everyone around us can smell it. When you stand in front of those individuals and you try to convince them through scripture quoting and try to forget, try to convince them through pressure and force and uh, decreeing things over their life and they feel really uncomfortable because you just invaded their space and you're, you're feeling, quote, compelled by the Lord to go out there and win somebody over by preaching to them right in their face. Hellfire and brimstone, or maybe it's not even that. Maybe you're just feeling compelled to go out and throw five, ten scriptures their way, and they can smell it a mile away. There's a difference between religious evangelism and doing something out of fun and adventure because you're whole and your identity is intact and you know who you are. People cannot smell that the same way as they do the religious agenda. So one is doing and one is being. There's the difference. Being is I'm having fun with the Lord. I'm not under obligation. I'm not under pressure. I'm not forced to do anything because Jesus isn't forcing me to do anything. Now your mind might lie to you and say that he is, but love does not demand its own way. 1 Corinthians 13, there's your scripture. Love does not demand or force its own way. See, People think it was forced upon the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, the revelation came from the inside out. The holy epiphany of a light bulb turning on inside of Paul hit him on the road to Damascus. It wasn't Jesus standing here with a hammer saying, you're going to do this whether you like it or not. No, that would be going against free will. Last time I checked, he doesn't do that. What it was was, Paul was probably being sick and tired of missing the mark himself and felt this anguish inside saying, why am I doing this? Why am I leading others to kill believers? What is going on inside of me? There's a torment. There's a frustration. I am done. And boom, when you say, I'm, I just came to a place called done on the road to Damascus, guess what happens to you? revelation floods in and the brightness of his presence is known and you become aware of love that's always been on the inside of you from the foundation of the world. That is scripture. He, he called us and chose us from the foundation of the world. Galatians, Ephesians, other places in scripture. Okay, so if he called us and chose us from the foundation of the world, he's always been there. You your understanding or Paul's understanding, Saul at the time, it was just darkened understanding. 
And when he came to a place called done on the inside of him, boom, that's when it happens. When you fully surrender and say, I'm done with this. That's when the light bulb turns on and you can have a major encounter. And guess what? Paul needed it because he was a type A driven personality. You can tell it. He was the Pharisee of all Pharisees and he was learned beyond his peers in the law. That means he was a driven individual. Sometimes driven individuals need to have hard hard encounters, meaning the word hard, um, a powerful encounter would be a better word, a powerful encounter that stops you in your tracks. And you're like, whoa, that was a major epiphany right there. Okay. There's the difference. So we're not talking about force here, guys. We're not talking about pressure. So the evangelical world as a whole is really good at this force and pressure stuff. And when they force their way and push their way, that's when people get turned off. Because the last time I checked, Jesus' character and nature is the nine fruit of the Spirit. I'll say it over and over again. I've said it on many teachings. I'll continue to say it till the day I uh, go on up to heaven in my heavenly body. I'm going to walk out of here like Enoch. That's my dream. That's my desire. <laughs> so the fruit of the Spirit is what we go out in. And where is the fruit of the Spirit cultivated? By being madly in love? By being head over heels in love with somebody? You're just oozing and goozy, gooey, ooey, gooey, juicy fruit of the Spirit all the time. Notice that when you're with somebody that you're head over heels in love with? It's always about love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, and self care That's why you don't see the flaws initially when you're in that honeymoon stage, honey. <laughs> when you're in that honeymoon stage, buddy, Guess what? You don't look at the flaws. You don't even see them because you're in the ooey gooey nine fruit of the spirit. The juicy fruit of heaven. But we leave that because we've been trained by religion and we feel that we got to force our way into our calling. Force our way into evangelism. Force and pressure our way into converting somebody. Because after all, if I don't do it, they could be dropping dead and going to hell tomorrow. Last time I checked, some, some gave... Uh, a little bit of water, some some spread the seed, some watered it, and then God gave the increase. That means God does the work. We just go out there and scatter some seed or pour some water on somebody. Notice that's non-religious seed. That's just water. Give a cup of water in my name and scatter some seed in my name. So being versus doing. Being is effortless. Doing is sweat and toil and hardship. Because after all, it's never enough, right? So just remember, just keep that in mind that there is such a thing, ver being versus doing. There's a, such a thing as, 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 as moving through this walk and this life with an effortless flow. The more we surrender, the more we let go, the more we stay present in the moment then we don't feel this force and pressure anymore of our egoic nature saying that we have to go do something. I've had friend, friends recently tell me, sorry, I had to get a drink. I had friends recently tell me that, you know, we, we've got to do something because time is short. Well, the, the older you get, and, and you're still in that obligatory state or condition, you're still trained by religion and you're still underneath that flow or that 
rigidity, I should say. It's not really a flow. It's, it's, it's a rigid, uh, legalistic walk and you don't even realize it sometimes. The more you're going to feel obligated to hurry up and do something. Well, he isn't demanding you to do something. So who's doing it? Love does not demand its own way. It's not forced. It's not pressurized coming from the inside out from him. So it's coming from the external world through your own egoic mind or your trained, your religiously trained mind saying that you've got to go and do the Great Commission. Do you know what the Great Commission really is? It's to share the good news out of a place of wholeness. What's the good news? Well, the good news is, is Jesus came in an odd religious way and he said, look, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And I'm going to show you how much authenticity you're really made of. I'm going to show you how real and genuine you are. It's going to take a bit. It's going to take a minute because I'm maturing you. But once you really see what your identity is, then the Great Commission begins. And the Great Commission is just to share that identity, that love, the fruit of the Spirit, how good I am and the happy good news, the happy gospel of, hey, you don't have to... You don't have to pave your own way in life. You don't have to sweat and strive and toil. God wants to do it all for you. That's the good news, friend. That's the good news. The good news came to show us the way. And it's the way of peace. It's the way of joy. It's the way of rest. It's the way of fulfillment. And there is no obligation in that. There is no force. There is no coercion. There is no manipulation. There's none of it. So where are we getting that from? We get it from an egoic religious stance of somebody putting that on us or us taking that on because of the group we're involved with. It's called a religious spirit. So, what will we do in this hour? I tell you what more people want to see than anything is not somebody doing something out of a, a law-driven sense or a mentality of obligation. They're looking for love. They're looking for peace and safety in someone. They're looking for something that's the alternative to their chaos. They're looking for someone that is stable in the spirit. They're looking for someone that has answers straight out of heaven. They're look without religion. They're looking for someone to just come and listen to them. A caring touch, a caring smile, a caring word, a loving kindness in the way that they interact with them. They're looking for someone to show them the way of truth by the way they live. Not by pounding something down their throat that they already feel guilty of already because they already know Jesus. They just don't know it yet. You get that? Their spirit already knows who he is because it was there in the beginning from the foundation of the world. Their egoic wounded self has covered up the still small voice, covered up the realization, the revelation that they've always been one with him. Until that light comes on on the road to Damascus or whatever light comes on in the car, walking down the street, however it comes, until that happens, their understanding is darkened. And because their understanding is darkened, they just can't see it yet. So what are they looking for? They're looking for someone to be love to them. Not do love, but to be love. Okay? So being versus doing. What will we be today to someone around us? Love you all, and we'll catch you on the next one.
Thanks you. Thank you for listening. And uh, please share this if you feel led to do it. No pressure, no obligation, no manipulation. <laughs> As you feel prompted, just share it. Um, and we'd love to hear from you. End of effort at gmail.com. Or you can comment right here on the uh, podcast. Thank you. We'll talk soon.